Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. End of the week of Sunday, September 5th. I can't believe it. It's already going to be Labor Day weekend this weekend. Uh, and I hope you, you have a fun and safe weekend if you're out and about. We are going to be back in person this Sunday at 10 a.m. And our plan right now is to be in person every Sunday going forward. We ask that everybody that's eligible to, of course, be vaccinated and wear a mask just as extra precautions so we can be as safe as possible. Then on Wednesday, that's September 8th, we are starting community group back. We're going to be reading Richard Rohr's book on the Enneagram, and that is going to be on Zoom all fall. So Zoom on Wednesdays, in person on Sundays. That's the broad strategy right now. Of course, everything is tentative and can change. So uh, you, of course, can find all of that information on social media. It is the 15th week after Pentecost, and we are starting this week. Uh, if you've been around Mission Hills for a little while, you know every September we do a climate series uh, for Environmental Awareness Month. And so this is our first week in our climate series. And I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, what I've been thinking about in regards to uh, the climate and climate action uh, last week's uh, or last month's rather uh, IPCC report and also be digging into uh, the lectionary and talking about a uh, spirituality of surprising resilience. So that's kind of be where we're going in the month of September, talking about uh, climate action and environmental awareness month. And we'll hear from different folks and then we'll cap off the, uh, the month with a uh, community service project. So that's what we're going to do at the end of the month. So stay tuned for more information on that. All right, that's enough uh, housekeeping for the day. We are going to be in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 7 this week, starting in verse 24. From there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know that he was there, yet he could not escape notice. A woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed at his feet. Now this woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin, and she begged him to cast out the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first. It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And then he said to her, for saying that, you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone, the word of the Lord. I wanna begin with a quote from Pope Francis that says, every creature, all living things have intrinsic value in its existence, its life, beauty, and in the interdependence with all other creatures. And I want to begin our series with that thought. This is our fourth annual series on climate. And this year's theme is Code Red, which is a phrase that came from last month's report. Code Red on the Earth's climate was the declaration that came from 200 of the world's leading climate scientists in the IPCC report, which gave us the clearest understanding of climate data from the last eight years of science covering more than 14,000 studies. And the report clarified the dire effects of human-caused climate change is already having on our planet and how warming is occurring faster 
than many earlier projections. Uh, a few takeaways that I had from this year's report uh, could not be stressed strongly enough. Primarily that much of the climate damage is now irreversible over human timescales, such as change the oceans, ice sheets, sea levels. There are no solutions that will return our planet to previously known climates experienced in human history. We're entering uncharted territory. The report shows that even if fossil fuel production were to end, sea levels would continue to rise and ice sheets would melt for hundreds of years. Uh, even with a slight dip last year in CO2 emissions during the pandemic, uh, CO2 in the atmosphere still reached a record high this year of 419 parts per million, which our planet hasn't seen in at least 2 million years. Uh, the report also projects that temperatures will rise above the, parent cl the Paris Climate Agreement threshold of 1.5 degrees warming by 2040. And the former dreaded 2 degrees of warming is now one of our best case scenarios. Uh, the report claims that the warming that we've already seen of one, around 1.1 degrees is the cause of extreme heat events, the droughts, fires, floods, and storms, which will only intensify as the planet warms with every increment. Uh, this is you know, not to say that we're <laughs> completely doomed. The report does indicate that if we did cease fossil fuel production, although sea levels would continue to rise, temperatures would stabilize within a few decades, which would obviously have enormously positive impacts on the world's most vulnerable populations in ecologically sensitive regions and the poor who are exposed to the dangerous consequences of much of climate change. We've talked about the climate from a Christian perspective for four years, and we've listened to a variety of uh, different perspectives on the reality of climate change, including its current impacts, statistics, who's largely responsible, and how we can live amid this crisis. And we've acknowledged not only our personal practices in communal environmental justice work, uh, we've taken major environmental steps as a church with uh, the community garden and solar panels and changing so much of our uh, energy usage and operations around the church, our water usage. And we've done this uh, and had these conversations about how we've changed as individuals throughout this process, uh, how even we've changed our diets and all kinds of things. But we've also acknowledged the sober reality that the warming of the planet and the degradation of natural resources and precious ecosystems are particularly the result of post-industrial global capitalism, driven by corporate greed from the fossil fuel companies and oil and natural gas-rich nations for temporary profits at the long-term detriment of the planet and all living species. As I mentioned a couple of years ago, the IPCC report then showed that half of all global CO2 emissions could be traced to just 25 corporate and state-owned entities, and the largest polluters being Exxon, Shell, BP, and Chevron. No surprise. And they estimated around 100 companies were responsible for 71% of all CO2 in the, emitting in the atmosphere since 1988. Also, China... The U.S., India, and Russia currently account for 55% of all global emissions. All this to say is that it can be misleading when reports claim that we are responsible for climate change. 
because warming is the result of domination systems that do not respect the dignity and life on this planet. So life on Earth as we know it has changed beyond the point of return in some way. So Christianity that is worthwhile must continually to invite us to examine what kind of people we are to be and what kind of communities we are to create in a code red world. This most recent report is pretty clear that not much is positively changed in the trajectory of warming and extreme weather events while human consciousness is awakening to the crisis. Thanks to global efforts through climate strikes, protests, and innovative technologies that have significantly gained traction over the last several years. And even though there are so many great climate activists uh, doing really important work, the systems of carbon emitting uh, domination systems, the global politics, they're not changing at a rate that's proportionate to the severity in the small window of time that we have for extreme climate action. I admit, I tend to relay more <laughs> of the doom and gloom aspects of climate, uh, but I do this because it still baffles me uh, that though this climate crisis was identified decades before I was born, we still do not behave as a society in a culture or as a church in ways that indicate that we believe science and listen to how the planet is currently reflecting the devastating effects of uh, years of industrial abuse, extraction, pollution, etc. And we see all around us the devastating effects of this, the flooding uh, in Europe and uh, even around the U.S., uh, the droughts and fires that we've experienced on the West Coast, storms, freezes, heat waves, you know, all this while destroying, uh, you know, our planet's biodiversity, leading to the extinction of living creatures uh, all around the world. Uh, as Pope, Pope Francis said, when nature is viewed as a source of profit and gain, it has serious consequences for all of us. And I think a, a Christian perspective on climate change sees the importance of the interdependency of all life on this planet. In this week's text that we just read, uh, gives us a glimpse, I think, into the kind of spirituality uh, of surprising resistance that's needed for a code red world. So this story is, is so great, and we've talked about it at Mission Hills before, so if you've heard some of this, uh, if I'm repeating myself, you know, just bear with me, and we'll have a conversation about this uh, on Sunday. It's, it's such an important story, uh, because the author of Mark, this story only exists in the Gospel of Mark, uh, shows us this interaction where uh, Jesus is in uh, this uh, northernmost region, uh, the northernmost region of Tyre that he travels to, and this Syrophoenician Gentile woman approaches him for the healing of her daughter. And as we mentioned, uh, it's you know, just off the top, it's always sad that we do not get the names of many women in the Bible, and this is another example of that. This whole interaction in this text would have been uncommon in the first century since a Gentile woman would not approach uh, a Jewish man like this. And Mark makes a point to tell us particularly where she's from. She is a foreigner. She's an outsider. And she comes up to him and she, she bows down and, and begs him to heal her daughter. And Jesus calls her a dog. He calls her a dog, which is a common derogatory phrase 
from, that Jewish people would say about Gentiles. Jesus calls this woman a dog. And by calling her a dog, the writer, the Gospel of Mark, exposes Jesus's offensive cultural perspective about her. And I love that Mark does this rather than uh, omitting the story altogether uh, as the Gospel of Luke does. Gospel of Luke just leaves this one out. And like New Testament professor Caroline Lewis says, she says, there is no saving Jesus in this text. Uh, There are a lot of people that try to, you know, get Jesus out of the way. Oh, he didn't mean it or he didn't say it like that. No, Jesus is uh, giving a derogatory comment to this woman by calling her a dog. In using this woman using her incredible wit, she flips Jesus's condescending and offensive view of her by appealing to the abundance of God's reality in Jesus, namely that she sees healing in him for her daughter. Essentially, that there we talk about uh, the eyes of abundance uh, rather than uh, scarcity. She is essentially saying that there is more than enough healing and justice to go around for my daughter absolutely brilliant. And so I, I think Mark, I've said it before, Mark's my favorite uh, gospel of all the gospels. And I think Mark understands that the transformative power of this story is the Syrophoenician's resilience in recognition of her dignity by cleverly turning Jesus's demeaning comments about her, turning it around towards the abundance of justice that is there and present for her daughter. And in the face of Jesus's offensive comments, she persists in her dignity with the courage to ask for another healing in a world that does not respect her based on her status. So for Mark, the Syrophoenician woman is the protagonist of the story, and it is not Jesus who we are to follow, but her. I think it's important to to mention that after this interaction, after Jesus says, okay, for what you've said, your daughter is healed and she goes home. Uh, but after this story, Jesus changes the direction of his ministry by heading to the Decapolis. And rather than going to Galilee or Capernaum, he changes his route. The Syrophoenician woman alters the trajectory of Jesus because she fought for a world of justice for all. The dignity herself, her daughter, and her people in the face of a domination system that placed Gentiles at a lower status and considered them dogs. How might we alter the trajectory of domination systems with a cry for justice and healing for all? Now, it might seem like a stretch to see this woman's courage and resilience in the face of offense as a guide for Uh, Christian spirituality in a code world, you might think that the story has nothing to do with climate, but I cannot think of a more powerful stance for us to emulate. We are not in control of global political systems, probably, Uh, or corporate capitalism who is actively harming the poor and vulnerable in our world for short-term profits and power. But if we are to follow the Markan moral of the story, We are to resist the narratives that do not care about the dignity of all life, that oppress the poor, because we can actually change the trajectory 
of these oppressive systems with our demands for justice and healing, however surprising and small they might seem. Spirituality for a code red world sees the oppression and violence in these systems as a way to lead us to reclaim our dignity, the dignity of all life and the dignity of those most harmed by the consequences of the domination systems that cause climate change. To quote Pope Francis again, he says, we need to see that what is at stake is our dignity. Leaving an inhabitable planet to future generations is first and foremost up to us. It has to do with the ultimate meaning of our earthly sojourn. And that is a powerful statement. That this has to be first and foremost, what is at stake is the dignity of life. How might we show resilience in a world that does not prior prioritize the dignity and gift of life in this planet in all its forms? And how might we follow the Syrophoenician woman to resist the domination systems and proclaim justice and healing for ourselves, our community, and the planet we all share? All right, I cannot wait to talk with all of you on Sunday about this. Uh, we'll have a conversation format and uh, I look forward to it. And as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well. <laughs>